1: Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 521 with Dr. Roger Firestein. Roger's got some great perspective on how to generate a bundle of ideas quickly. So, you'll learn one, the four guidelines for generating ideas, two, why silly warm ups seriously help brainstorming, and three, the magic number to push for in generating creative ideas. So, if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep521. And I hope you'll also check out some of the other cool resources at awesomeatyourjob.com, such as every episode tagged by the Topic and the competency covered and more goodies over that away at awesome at your job.com. Now here's Roger's story. Doctor Roger Feierstein has taught more people to lead the creative process than anyone else in the world. By applying Roger's working creativity, Clorox solved his 77-year-old problem in 15 minutes. General Motors came up with a dollar fifty cent solution that saved the company fifty thousand bucks a week, and Mead Paver developed a world class line of products and saved half a million bucks a year good stuff. Called the gold standard of creativity training by his clients, Roger has presented programs in creativity to over 600 organizations nationally and internationally. Roger's latest book is called Create in a Flash, a leader's recipe for breakthrough innovation that provides techniques to grow personal and team capacity for tackling tough challenges and recession-proofing any business. Big thanks to Roger for sharing his wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free Roger, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
2: My pleasure. I'm happy to be with you today.
1: Well, I'm intrigued. So we're going to talk about, you know, thinking and creativity. And I understand that when you like to think, one of your favorite things to do is drive tractors. What's the story here?
2: I grew up on a farm in northern Colorado. And one of the beautiful things about being a part of my family is that uh, my father didn't say I had to be a farmer. All right, And I got very interested in music and uh the interest in music led to my interest in creativity. So when I moved out to Buffalo, New York in 1978 to study creativity at the International Center for Studies in Creativity, I really never wanted to set foot on a farm again. And a number of years ago, I went through some challenging times and I ran into a fellow named Philip Kepler, who owns a cattle ranch near Medina, New York, which is about 40 miles northeast of Buffalo, where he grazes about 400 cattle. And so Phil and I became friends and uh, I started to just go out to the farm to do what i call farm therapy and what farm therapy is is you go and you do stuff but you don't have to make a decision on what you're doing my friend phil says let's go move those bales off the north 40 we do it my friend phil says well let's go move that tractor over there we do it my friend phil says let's uh, move those cattle over there to that uh, pasture and we do it so what it allows for me to do and i do it regularly now is that when i get stale with writing or when i get frustrated what it's like uh, working in a in a university at an international center for creativity or running a creativity consulting firm, I go out there and I spend some time. Either driving a tractor or working with cattle or uh, shoveling cattle manure or even falling in it sometimes. Because what it does is it gives me a break from what i usually do. The other thing that farm therapy does for me is that when I'm out there working on a field and I'm I've, I'm supposed to like you know what we call bush hog, which is cut down a whole bunch of brush or anything. There's a tangible result from beginning to the end you can see when it's finished and there's great satisfaction in that and in, in our work in teaching and writing sometimes you often don't see it so farm therapy is what I recommend for folks who do businesses like us to be able to get away get out in the fresh air have somebody else make the decisions for them and then oftentimes after that I get some new ideas or some new insights for a new book I'm writing on or a program that I'm delivering those sorts of things it's really taking a break both mentally and and physically for how you spend your usual day.
1: Mm, All right. I'm convinced. (laughs) Farm therapy. I'll see you on
2: the farm, Pete. We can always use another (laughs) hand.
1: (laughs) Sounds like our next sponsor is uh, Farm Therapy. (laughs) offers
2: International Harvester or John Deere, right?
1: (laughs) Well, so I'm excited to talk about creativity. And in particular, I understand that you are capable of generating 100 ideas in 10 minutes and and we can all do this? How is that
2: done? Well, it's not me that does it. It's a group. So let me tell you how it's done. So first off, let's get a couple things clear here. One one of the things we're talking about is that we're talking about an entire creative process here. Early on in the 1950s, a gentleman named Alex Osborne, who happens to be the O in the advertising agency BBDNO, invented the brainstorming technique. But uh, what Osborne realized was just an idea generating technique isn't enough. So he also invented this process that helps you to define the problem, uh, generate ideas, and then develop some plans for action. So we talk when we talk about generating 100 ideas in 10 minutes, it's not difficult at all. And here's the procedure that we follow. First, uh, we're talking about a group of about five to eight people. That's about it, all right? First thing you need to do is to go over the guidelines for generating ideas, defer judgment, strive for quantity, seek wild and unusual ideas, and then combine and build on other ideas. Then, and here's where it's really crucial, is we do a little warm-up activity first like a five-minute warm-up activity and some of my favorite warm-up activities are like how to get a hippopotamus out of a bathtub or how to improve a bathtub or what might be all the things you can do with 10 tons of orange jello all right something fun something sort of zany like that and we use post-its and we have people write down their ideas say them out loud and jot them and so a warm-up activity takes about five minutes now, in addition to that, we also do this technique called force connections, which is a technique that we, that we use to combine different ideas from different perspectives. So when you get stuck, oftentimes what tends to happen is you're running down the same route. So if I'm sitting here and if I'm working on a particular problem on, like, say, how to write a chapter for a book – when I get stuck, I might look around the room and see what ideas the lamp gives me or what ideas my model rocket that I made when I was 12 years old gives me or what ideas I get from the pine trees out in the backyard. And that's the real essence of creativity, which is combining ideas in a different way than what they've been combined before. So we'll oftentimes use pictures to help people to do that from various aspects, pictures of food or nature or machinery or people. So then let's take a look at how to generate those 100 ideas. So let's say you've done a little warm-up activity and you're working with the group and you've generated about 25 five ideas in five minutes. That's not uncommon at all when you're not judging ideas. Then, give the real problem that you wanna work on to the group take another five minutes and oftentimes the group will generate between 25 or 30 ideas there. Then we do a technique called brain writing which actually helps people to write their ideas down. We use a little form where they write three ideas on a post-it. It It consists of nine squares and what they're doing this way is they're working sort of in parallel. So they're all working at the same time so you don't have to worry about a recorder or a facilitator slowing down the process by getting those ideas up there. At the end of that uh, five minutes we usually have 60 or 70 ideas so it's not uncommon at all to generate you know, 100 ideas in 10 minutes. Now, the thing behind that is, oftentimes then, what you're going to find is about 20% of those ideas, about 20 to 30 ideas, let's say 20% conservatively, are going to be good ideas that then you can take and refine. Pete, what the The formula really is in this is the generation of ideas doesn't take long, but it's the selection, the refinement, the building of those ideas that does take the time. So let's say you have an hour meeting and uh, you want to generate some ideas for solving a specific problem you're working on. First, come in with a well-defined problem, starting with the words that would invite ideas like how to or how might. Then give a little little brain, do a little warm-up activity work the challenge for 15 minutes, you'll have about eighty to a hundred ideas. Then the rest of that time, the remaining forty-five minutes or so in the meeting, that's what you need to use to select those ideas, refine those ideas, and decide which ones you're going to move forward. So that's a that's sort of a formula for about an hour, an hour and 15 minute meeting.
1: Okay. Well so but lots of good stuff in there. Now let's talk about the 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 warm-up. I imagine the goal here is that you get people in uh, it, it's, they have an easier time generating lots of wild ideas about something that is not close to home than they do generating wild ideas about something that they, they see every day. And, and so you, you're getting them brain in that zone via doing something a little bit more distant. Is that kind of the logic here?
2: Pete, you're absolutely right. And we do a warm up for for three reasons. First, to briefly train the group on the, the technique. You can't expect a group to go in there and just get creative. Like, okay, we need some creative ideas. So first, a little training on them. Next, to sanction the time for speculation. And when I say sanctioning the time, you know, people will come in from a meeting and they've been busy with other aspects of the day and other things that are going on. And so what we do is we draw a line. We say, look, the way you've been thinking before, Judging, putting things into action, executing, we're not gonna do that right now. We're gonna speculate, we're gonna try out some new ideas. And then the thing also is to create what we call a judgment-free zone where people aren't judging their ideas, Um, they're just coming up with those ideas. And you've got it exactly. What we wanna do is we wanna create something that's fun, whimsical, non-threatening, Away from the problem to generate that energy and to also practice a technique. And so in the book, uh, Creating a Flash, we have a bunch of warm up activities listed on page 69. And so the whole purpose there, Pete, is to defer their judgment, think differently, and sanction that time for speculating. Then, you can go in and work on the tough challenge. And I have to tell you, in my entire career, when I neglected to do a warm up activity, I did that twice. Either I thought the group uh, was already warmed up, or I didn't have time. And what I had to do was go back and do a warm-up activity. And oftentimes people will say, well, a warm-up activity is silly. Well, by design, it's silly. Or they'll say, well, I can't work with my CEO on this. You know, I've had CEOs, I've had uh, generals, army generals, I've had people in government do warm-up activities. They love it because it gives them a chance to loosen up, to have some laughter. And then that energy from that warm-up, you move into working on the challenge at hand. Oftentimes what tends to happen is the reason why people are not successful in idea generating sessions is one, they haven't warmed up or two, they haven't followed the guidelines for generating ideas.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense to me, and and the warm up. Um, I think that's that's well stated in terms of the warm up is producing a an energy, a state of mind, a groove, and and that's just huge. Thanks. I find that when I'm giving a, a speech, that goes you know amazingly versus you know fine. You know, between that uh, on that continuum, the difference is largely, you know what kind of a state did i did I get into prior to, you know, in terms of was I curious and 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 eager and to connect? with the audience? Or was I kind of in my head in terms of I have these uh, eight takeaways that I'm going to convey now?
2: Right. (laughs) And here they are. One, two, three. I got to get them out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Yeah. That's the challenge of every speaker. You know, what I've also found too, and I'm sure you've found this too, is like less is more. So yeah. But yeah, you get on that track. I got to get these takeaways out there. Yeah.
1: So excellent point then on the the warm up and I appreciate that, hearing about like the general in terms of okay this is a serious person who has lives at stake who takes the time and and finds it great. So very cool.
2: And the also the thing about that is generals people like that will use that for for example generals realize the value of training and being very, very well trained. And what this does is it gives this gives them training on something that they have no stakes in at all so they can experience the process, they can experience the procedures and then when you work on the real challenge, you're trained already to do it. I mean, you know, you practice target shooting before you have to go into combat. Same thing. You practice generating ideas in a really fun way before you have to apply them to the challenge at hand. And to your point too, it's simple but it's huge. It's easy to do. It's easy not to do. And so it's just that very simple thing. When people do what their successes are successful, when they don't generally they're not. Okay.
1: And so then I also want to talk about, so we've got that, that five to eight people who are able to generate, you know, 25 to 30 ish ideas, lickety split. And then you do some stuff with post-its and the three by three, which turn into a whole bunch more. So can you go into some details to what are we doing with that three by three and the post-it stuff?
2: Well, first off, the post-its is pretty common in this business and we use a those thing called brainstorming with post-its and so the first five minutes is people are generally writing their ideas, they're saying them, they're getting them up on a on a post-it and then they're going up on a flip chart that a facilitator is running and that's post brainstorming with post-its. This other technique is called uh, brain writing and it's a really cool tool because what it does is have people work individually. And so we have a little grid here and we have nine post-its on it. Three by three across, three across, three across. We write the, the creative question at the top. We say to people, write three ideas, put the form out in the middle, pick up a form somebody else has not completed, write three more ideas on that. And so they're they're writing ideas continuously. The beautiful thing about this is, Pete, is that they already have ideas generated from their brainstorming post-its that are up there on the flip chart they can use those to build ideas off of this wonderful little brainwriting technique they can build ideas off of it as well so and the key is to use both first the stick them up brainstorming or the brainstorming with post-its so you get all those ideas out in a very wide format and then using this brainwriting tool to help people to add on to those ideas to refine them and oftentimes the second round with this brainwriting tool the ideas are a bit more well defined because people have to write the ideas down they don't say their ideas anymore so they write three ideas Put the form in the middle, pick up a form somebody else has used, write three more ideas. So it's three ideas and go and three ideas and go and three ideas and go. And they will often say you've come up with 30 ideas with with uh, brainstorming with post-its. Oftentimes people will double that with the brain writing 60 because they're warmed up. They have ideas to build off of and they don't have to compete for airtime to get those ideas up there.
1: And so when you say pick up a form, you know, what's on the form and what are we doing with that?
2: Well, um, and if I can refer to the book on page 78 and 79, also, if there's, there's PDFs that go along with this for, if you go to createinaflashbook.com, it's a downloadable PDF of this form called brainwriting, and uh, all it is is just a simple little grid with nine squares. We put nine three-by-three uh, three post-its on it, and uh, write these three ideas and go, and three ideas and go, so it's really pretty, uh, not complicated at all. But it's the group process of getting those ideas out that really, really gets them going.
1: Okay, and we can add of this, but aren't you writing in both of these phases? So brain writing is not actually distinctively different with the writing because writing ha- happened earlier as well. I'm getting hung up on the word brain writing.
2: Yeah, the distinction behind brain writing is first when you're doing uh stick 'em up brainstorming or brainstorming with post-its, you'll write your idea on a post-it, you'll say it out loud you'll put, you'll hand it up to a facilitator that will put the idea on the chart. By saying it out loud, other people in the group can build on that idea and add to it. Now with brain writing, you're not saying your ideas out loud. You're simply writing three ideas down, putting the form in the middle, picking up another form, reading the ideas that other participants have jotted down, either building those ideas or adding more ideas that are coming to mind. So the second time the brain writing is, yes, you're writing those ideas down. Yes, we're recording those ideas. You're just not saying them out loud and you're doing three at a time.
1: Okay. And so then from there, we got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, What happens next?
2: Well, then what you do is you need to converge on those ideas, all right? And we actually talk about this, and, and in addition to Create in a Flash, there's 20 videos that go along with it. So when you go to create a flash book.com, you can actually see this process happening. And we have in the front of the book the uh, directions to find those online videos. So you'll actually see what we've talked about happening, Pete, and that's probably the best way to go is to just go to the website there and look at those, look at brainwriting in action, all right? But after you generate those ideas, we do a technique called highlighting. And the first thing we do in highlighting is we take just some colored dots, all right? And we have the person whose problem we're working on go up to to the charts and mark what we call the hits. These are the ideas that are interesting, intriguing, workable, might solve the problem, you like them, you mark as many hits as you like, all right? Then from there, you take those hits, you cluster them together into themes, all right? Then you restate that cluster as an action or as, an, as a new idea. So what you'll have is a whole bunch of ideas for solving a particular issue that will cluster around a certain area. Those build into a concept. Then you label that concept with, an, with a verb phrase, and then from there you can go further to refine the ideas and develop them. So that's the basics around generating them and then focusing on them, but it's really crucial after you spend all this time to generate these ideas to not just go up and just pick one idea. Well, in that case, why'd you spend all that time generating those ideas in the first place? So the converge is a very gentle converge. First, what's interesting, intriguing, workable, how do those relate to each other? And then once you've got that, labeling the cluster with a concept or or a phrase that really captures the action, the essence of that idea cluster.
1: Okay, i also love to get your take on when we're trying to create independently on our own, uh, what are some of your pro tips to, to do that well?
2: Well, very simple, following the same things, creating on your own as you would create in a group. For example, artists have sketchbooks. A dear friend of mine's a, an artist, when you look through a sketchbook, she's got thousands and thousands of sketches in there, just jotting down new ideas, just sketches from those sorts of things. So when you're working by yourself, First, define the problem, have a well-defined problem like how to reduce the cost of this project or how to raise the money for this project or how to get my leaves raked in my backyard without too much effort, all right? (laughs) And then... Just defer judgment. Don't judge and jot down all the ideas that might come to mind. What you might find is the first 10 to 12 ideas. Those probably will come pretty easily for you. You've kind of probably thought about those ideas before. The next ones you might have a bit of a challenge around. So that's when we recommend using this forced connection tool. So say you're uh, looking at ways to reduce cost on a project. Well, then you look around the, the room and you say, well, what ideas does my telephone give me for reducing costs on this project? Well, maybe an idea would be communicate the need to it broader. Uh, um, Uh, broadcast out why you need to do it. My phone has got uh, push buttons on it, so segment the project down. And so that will spur you on to come up with some more ideas, but I, I recommend people stretch for about 30 ideas. Now they don't have to do it all in one setting, Beautiful thing about the creative process, and why uh, tractor time or farm therapy is so helpful, is when you step away from the challenge. Oftentimes, new ideas begin to surface there, and that's why it's important to have your your smartphone with you to just just say those ideas into a voice memo or have a sheet of paper ready to write the idea down. Because oftentimes, when we find that you start working on a challenge, um, other ideas are going to be coming in because it stirred your brain up to come up with more ideas and more co- and more concepts. And we've got a lot of when we have. We've got some good research that shows that that tends to be the case.
1: And I'm curious, this number 30, is there some magic to it?
2: Yeah, a bit of magic. So we—so one one-third, one-third, one-third principle. And so when, early on when we were working uh, with the creative process back in the early 1980s, we, I ran a consulting company called Multiple Resource Associates. And this was early on in, in a lot of the development of creative process work. And we really had to try and chart a place where we we're going to get breakthroughs when we we're working with our clients. And so as we went through Many, 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 many transcripts, we often found that idea 30, 32, 33, 34, 3, 35, that's where the new ideas were coming. And so Um, This is also based on an early principle around the old brainstorming technique, and essentially it's this. The first third of your idea production, about the first 10 to 12 ideas, tend to be the usual ideas. These are the ideas you've thought of before. These are the ideas that are already rumbling around in people's heads. The second third, from idea 12 to 20 or 25 or so, those are going to be sort of the crazy, ridiculous ideas. It seems people have loosened up a little bit. They get a little crazier, a little goofier. They've exhausted the usual associations that they have around solving that problem, or or that problem. Then the next third, the third third, that's where the pay dirt comes. That's when people come up, begin to make new combinations using that kind of crazy stuff they came up with the second third, some of the first, some from the first third, and that's where the new ideas and insights begin to blossom. And so I say be idea 30 to 35, you're brown to get some new insights there. But what often tends to happen is we sit around in a group and we generate 10 or 12 ideas for solving a problem, and we think we're getting real creative, where well, you're not. All you're doing is getting those ideas out that are already rumbling around in people's heads. The creativity comes in the stretch. The innovation comes in the stretch. And that's what's behind that idea of setting a quota for about 30 ideas or so.
1: Okay, and so then, I'd love to know, we talk about forced connection. Hey, you look around, there's a lamp, there's a telephone. Are there any other ways you recommend bringing useful stimuli into the equation for association?
2: Well, I'm gonna save your listeners a lot of money. <laughs> Because the whole idea, force connections is really the basis of what creativity is. There's lots of books out there that give you 101 ways to come up with more ideas, those sorts of things. And they're all based on the concept of making sort of a remote association, an association with something that's not related to the problem at all, which is is combining ideas that usually don't appear to be related in any way. Now, what we use is we use visual force connections. So if you're in a session and the group is slowing down, we'll have a series of pictures. Pictures, lots of pictures and they fall into four categories one category is people second category is nature a third category is machinery or the non-living world and a fourth category is food and we'll just have, have have these pictures just scattered out over a table and when people get stuck they can take a look at the picture see what ideas it gives them use that to create a connection and come up with a new idea now you can use pictures but you can also use smells you could also use sounds or music. You could also use taste. In other words, you're working on a problem You have and somebody, and you taste some cinnamon. Well, what ideas does cinnamon bring to mind? Or you're working on a problem and you see an ocean liner. Well, what ideas does an ocean liner bring to mind? That's the basics of it, Pete. Take a look at something or make a connection with something that's not related to the problem at all and use that connection to create a new idea. And that's my go-to tool. So there's other tools that you can use, but if we're going to give our listeners something that they can use consistently. Consistently, it's this force connection tool. We have a an interview on one of the uh, videos with a gentleman named Dr. Robert Gatewood, who took one of my classes, and he said, "I would leave class, and as I was driving, I'd be working on a problem, and I'd look around and I see what ideas might a connection I might get from a a, a stoplight or what connection I might get from a, a building." And there's an interesting story about Force connections if you want to go into that in a second. But I want to make sure that I've responded to your question here.
1: Oh, yeah. Got it. So, story time.
2: Story time. So, one of the people that we talk about is a gentleman named Wilson Greatbatch. Now, do you know who Wilson Greatbatch is? I don't. Most people don't. Do you know what a pacemaker is? Yes. Of course you do. Wilson Greatbatch invented the pacemaker. And he actually lived about uh, 10 miles from where I live. And I got the opportunity to, to visit with Dr. Greatbatch a number of times. Now, one of the things that led to the invention of of the pacemaker was a lot of failures, a lot of trial and learns is what we call them. And Wilson Greatbatch was wonderful about reframing failure. He said, I look forward to failure as a learning experience. Nine out of 10 things that I work on fail, but the one that works pays for the other nine. So, but in my, t- in my conversations with him, the idea for the pacemaker, he told me, actually came from a hazard flasher on the side of a road. So he's driving back from a meeting one time and he sees this, these, this construction site, he sees all these hazard flashers, flashing that flashing made the connection between the the pacemaker electrical charge and used that to work with the heart so that's one example cool yes yeah cool huh they're all around yeah
1: so interesting so Trial and learn instead of trial and error.
2: Yeah, trial and learn. Because Mm -hmm. whenever you do something, you create a result. Might not be the result you anticipated, but the question is, what can you learn from that result? If you look at highly creative people, they see failure in a different way. They see failure. They don't attach a negative value to it. They see failure as, well, gee, that didn't work. What else might work? What else might work? Edison was famous for some quotes on this. uh, He was about halfway into inventing the light bulb, and somebody asked him, you know, Mr. Edison, uh, you know, how many trials? if you try to invent a light bulb that haven't worked. He said, well, I've succeeded in proving 700 ways that will not work. When I found a way that will work, I've, I have to be 700 ways closer to that. And so it's that whole attitude about failure. So
1: that's great. Well, Roger, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things.
2: So as far as creativity is concerned, and as far as things that, that your, uh, your listeners can take away from, I think it's really crucial that oftentimes people think that creativity is just coming up with lots and lots of ideas but what i've found over my 40 year career is that oftentimes most of the time What we think is the problem isn't the problem at all. And that's why it's important to ask a lot of creative questions, which is what we talk about in the book. Now, Pete, just as we talked about generating lots of ideas for solving a problem, you can use that same principle to generate lots of creative questions. So if you're coming up with creative questions, it's defer judgment, strive for quantity, seek wild and unusual questions, combine and build on other questions. And when you get those out, once again, 30 questions or so, look through those, find the best one, and then you're going to be much more on target for generating ideas. So I would say that's one of my favorite things for for your listeners to take with you. It's like, don't accept the initial definition of the problem. And in my entire career, as I've facilitated hundreds of groups and creative problem solving, there's been one time, one time only, that the initial definition of the problem was a real problem. The rest of the time, that wasn't it at all. It was somewhere else.
1: And, and so by asking, you're brainstorming different generations of the problem or, or question to be solved. And in so doing, you're you're sort of following the same process to zero in on which one seems the most resonant, workable, you know, compelling.
2: Yes. And what we do is we have you phrase those questions beginning with a phrased as a question. So we use like words like how might or how to or what might be all the ways to. And what those do is they set up the question as a divergent question. In other words, they're opening your mind to like search for ideas. So how to reduce the cost is very different than saying we don't have enough money. Okay, the second that that statement blocks your thinking, how to reduce the cost tells your brain to begin to start to look for some ideas. So using language in that way really helps to open up your thinking. It also helps to diffuse a lot of arguments and stuff as well. So if you're in a highly charged situation and people have different points of views, well, just phrase their point of view as a how-to or in what ways might we. You get it up there on a chart and people feel heard. They feel, feel valued that way. That's one of the other things about the idea generating process when you're using something like brainstorming with post-its. Everybody's idea is valued. Everybody's ideas gets up there. Everybody's idea gets heard. And so that builds teamwork and and that uh, and the best way to solve a problem or to build it best way to build a team is to solve a problem together
1: well that can you now share a favorite quote something you find inspiring
2: a favorite quote that i find inspiring yeah yeah i do have a favorite quote thanks and uh, this is one of my favorites and it's, it's from creating a flash and i didn't know this was by this person but by mike wallace the tv columnist said if you don't wake up in the morning excited to pick up where you left your work yesterday you haven't found your calling yet I just love that quote because if you look at creative people, if you look at people that are passionate about their work, that's what they do. You know, it's like, I'm ready to get started tomorrow morning because I'm so excited to pick up where I left off. So that's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah.
1: And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
2: ah, well, uh, got a bit of research. Actually, this is my doctoral research that we did back in 1987. And what we did was we compared groups that were trained in creative problem solving with groups that were not trained in creative problem solving. We gave them a real live problem to solve. We took them over to the television studio on the campus, and we videotaped them while they solved the problem. When we analyzed the videotapes, we found that the groups that were trained in creative problem solving methods, the things that we're talking about, participated significantly more. They, they criticized ideas less, they supported ideas more, they laughed more, they smiled more, and they generated twice as many ideas as the groups that were not doing creative problem solving. Now, when we gave those ideas back to the business people that gave us the problem to work on in the first place, we found that the groups that were training creative problem solving outproduced the untamed groups by about three to one on high quality ideas. And the, the output of this is that they had more better ideas to choose from so they had a much greater array of ideas that they could choose from henceforth a much greater possibility of solving the problem
1: yeah so interesting so so three to one on quality and two to one on quantity
2: uh yeah just about like that
1: that's intriguing oh,
2: so, so again? There, Pete. what was that again
1: so you said it was it was a three to one um, on, 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 the, on the quality and a two to one on quantity
2: yeah, two to one on quantity. Yeah. yeah. I'd never really looked at it that way before. Well, yeah. so that,
1: that means that the average quality score, if you will, I don't know, of a given idea was better still. Yes. Um, as opposed to, well, yeah, they had more good ideas. They had 10 times as many. So if some of them are bound to not suck, you know, it's it's like, no, no, the average quality was higher, too. That's you know, that's cool. an
2: interesting way to look at it. Great way to look at that. I've got to write another study, Pete. All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> And how about a favorite book?
2: Well, come on, come on. Creating in the Flash, The Leader's Recipe for Breakthrough Innovation. We just released it. So I love this book.
1: And a favorite habit, something you do to be awesome at your job?
2: A favorite habit. Well, I think, yeah, let me give you a couple of things. One is I'm in a wonderful position to be able to kind of control my schedule. So one of my favorite habits is naps. Uh- <laughs> If you look at folks that are highly creative and they've taken naps, they've taken little refreshers. And so, you know, if you can sneak in a short 20-minute nap sometime during the day, that gives you what I call as two days. So because you work for a certain pace for a while, and then usually about two o'clock or three o'clock, I tend to slow down. So a little nap, a little quick meditation, just to refresh, then you're good for the rest of the day. That's one. And then the other thing is just really being aware that you're always coming up with ideas and just writing those ideas down whenever, you, whenever they occur to you. So when I'm out doing farm therapy, I always have my smartphone with me because 99% of the time, I'm gonna come up with an idea there to help me with something I've been working on Because your brain's working on it all the time, just at a deeper level. You just have to get out of the way of your judgmental thinking to let those ideas begin to surface.
1: And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you often?
2: What you think is the problem is not the problem at all. And I think that's really one of the biggest nuggets that I could give to people that would say when encountering an issue or a challenge or a goal or an opportunity, don't accept the first definition of it. Challenge your thinking about it to see, you know, to see the other angles on it, to see this might be a symptom. Uh, This might not be the main issue. Uh, So I guess I would say challenge your initial definition of what you think the problem is. Um, And and many, many times, that's going to really help you to come up with some brand new insights, insights you wouldn't have thought of before.
1: And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them?
2: Go right to my website, rogerfirestein.com. That's Roger Firestein, F-I-R-E-S-T-I-E-N. It's uh, German. And uh, you can go there. You can take a look at uh, the programs we have available. And if you find the Create in a Flash button, you can check on, you can click on that and find all those videos for free that download repeatable PDFs, along with that brainwriting form that we talked about. So Roger S T I E N stiencom com.
1: right. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: Yes. I think the final call to action would be when you're working on a challenge, step back from it. All right. In other words, first spend some time figuring out what the real problem is, don't accept the initial definition of the problem, challenge your definition of the problem, step back from it and then be ready to capture those ideas whenever they occur to you. And that, I think, would be the biggest thing because we're coming up with ideas all the time. And oftentimes, I think you've probably, Pete, had the occasion where maybe you're falling asleep at night and an idea comes to you and goes, oh, I'll remember that. Or you're taking a shower and say, oh, I'll remember that. Well, no, you won't, okay? Get that idea down as soon as it comes to mind. So the big takeaway to help people become awesome at their job is one of the things that we know is that when you're away from work, that's when you're going to probably have some of your best ideas. Very few people tell me that they get their best ideas at work. When you're away from work, that's the times when the ideas are going to surface. So be ready to capture ideas whenever and wherever they occur to you.
1: All right. Roger, thanks so much for sharing. And I wish you lots of luck and many great ideas.
2: Thank you, Pete. This has been a delight. I really appreciate it.
1: I really appreciate this theme that Roger hit again associated with. It's about the connections, the associations. And if you can force some stimuli, you can force some connections. And so I have used this approach a bit myself. I'll pull out uh, the dictionary or do a Google search for I feel lucky or just browse around a retail shop. Uh, I really like Target. Personally, and something about the lighting is very, very enticing, or even a digital shop like Amazon and, and just sort of merge those in terms of take a dictionary item and put it on Amazon and, and, and just see uh, what that reveals to you. I found that really helpful. I also really dug that notion associated with pushing past 30 and how that can really be an indicator of, of when you might be getting onto something strong and and some good encouragement to to not just sort of say hey we got our 10 ideas i guess we're done no 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 you find some gold a bit later so stick with it So great stuff from Roger. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at com slash F521. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll catch our next guest. It's Kyra Bobinet. Boy, she has so much wisdom associated with the neuroscience of of habit building and creation and, and how that can work. So I definitely recommend that one. And if you just can't wait that long and want to listen to some more engaging interviews now, definitely check out the Something You Should Know podcast. They share our conviction that sometimes one little piece of wisdom can change your life forever. Their host, Mike Carruthers, interviews top experts to help you save time and money, advance your career, improve relationships, and just find more joy from life. We've interviewed a few overlapping guests, and then they've got many more folks that you haven't met yet. I met Mike at Podcast Movement. He's just such a great guy with a really impressive, buttery, smooth voice. I'm actually a little bit jealous, if I'm honest. Again, that show is called Something You Should Know. Their cover art has a yellow light bulb with a blue background behind it. You can search Something You Should Know in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the current app you're using now, or find Something You Should Know in the top rankings within the education category. Hope to catch you next time. In Peace.